Blog Talk Radio. And he mm. couldn't explain those phenomenon. And 
it's you know it's always been there and i think everybody has can recount those things the other day we talked about angels and angel encounters um so you know i think that's the thing don't you find i mean when you you were you were moved to do this book and you know it's been a three-year process i mean it's been you know a Mm -hmm. consistent daily effort weekly effort and you know now that it's coming through you must have saw some things happen along the way in terms of actually being able to get it done you know the right person showing up how how did you find your uh, your co-author my co-author and i connected really it was kind of mystical because um i called a woman who um finds writing coaches for people not writing you know co-authors um ghostwriters mm-hmm. And she gave me two names, and when I called this woman, who is my co-author, um, when I called her up, she said, oh, I know I know you. We met several years ago. I recognize your voice. And we had met, you know, just kind of happenstance in a bookstore in Rhode Island, in Bristol, Rhode Island. And um, I didn't really remember the meeting, but she remembered it, and she remembered the sound of my voice. And um, so that was kind of like an immediate connection. And yeah. we got together and started really talking about um, writing a book together, and she'd worked with other authors. And it just all unfolded very effortlessly. And even as recently as just a few months ago when we were kind of wrapping it up, I said, has this seemed like work to you? And she said, no. She said, I never think about it when we're not together that much, and I just get the work done, and it's been very, very effortless, and that's kind of how it unfolded, and that's the way it should be if you're doing something that's meant to be, I think, it's not work, it's not a struggle, it just happens. You know, that's one of my pet peeves, but people, uh, you know, I'll be out gardening or something, or doing something that you know, is a, is an expression, and it's always through me. You know, we I think we've touched on this before. I don't know if we've done it on the show as much, but we certainly touched on it many times, is that when you're doing the thing that you were meant to do, you know, that your higher self came here to do, uh, you don't even know the reason why you're doing it. I mean, you know, I've asked, uh, There's, a, I think I told you the story of the restaurant where the woman is just a phenomenal gardener, and we, after years of admiring her work, I finally connected with her on walking by the the restaurant, and she's just a waitress there. She doesn't, she's not, isn't a professional landscaper or, or gardener. And I asked her the question. I says, "Is there any way you cannot do this?" And she said, "No, impossible. It's, you know, what I." And I said, "Do you know why you do it?" She says, "No, I just love it." Mm. And mm-hmm. I think that's the part when we start to touch on that metaphysical, you know, mystical part of ourselves is that we do these things. And and I always say to people, you know, uh, it, it, there's a book that I stumbled on from one of the TED Talks called uh, Start With Why. And mm-hmm. he talks about the fact that uh, all great leaders, all great motivators, all great salespeople um, start with why. People who radically change you know the physical through using metaphysics and it's giving people not an objective of what to do but a why you're doing it and that when you're in that flow with your inner self i think that's what it is it i laugh when people say oh it's a lot of work i go it's not work if it's if you love it you know that's right and so and that's what happened with this story not only for you but also for the author 
correct? That's right. We It was just a fun project that, you know, we kept working at and we got it done. And, you know, there's a discipline to it for sure. You have to show up and, and do the work. But um, if you're enjoying it and you're in that vibration of having a good time and enjoying what you're doing, it isn't work. And I think and that's one of the reasons I wanted to write the book because um, I have been on this metaphysical journey ever since I started my career as a flight attendant when I was 20 years old. I started meeting teachers and having aha moments. And I realized that we live in a dimension where many people haven't had those aha moments yet. Or if they have, they didn't. We all have them all the time. But you have to recognize when they happen. And you have to want to free yourself from feeling like you're stuck in the three-dimensional world. And I was one of these humans who really, it was painful for me to be just stuck in the three-dimensional world. I kept thinking there's got to be more than this. There's got to be a bigger picture that I'm just not figuring out. And I was one who always asked all those questions. Why are we here? What is God? Why? What is creation? Um, and I needed answers. And I, I got a lot of answers along the journey um, and, you know, many, many times through having a painful experience because that's what catapults us so often to the next level. We have to go through something. But knowing that you can always come out on the other side intact, I think is very important for people to realize. Many people don't know that there is always a solution and um, that's why it was important to me to get my book out along with all the other books that are out there of people who have journeyed like this, because I think, um, you know, different people relate to different stories and different teachers and different people. And, um, because I was right. a flight attendant, there's a certain market there. Yeah. Exactly. Well, you know, you know, you talk about, you know, the fact that, um, you know, people want, I, I mean, everybody wants, uh, I worked recently with, uh, uh, Rick Sigelko, who's the creator of, uh, or not creator, but he took uh, Thomas the Train, that whole property from England, and brought it to America, and did all of the TV production work with Ringo Starr and uh, George Carlin, et cetera, and he's won uh, endless um, Emmys throughout his career. And he said to me at one point, we were talking about story and how we were building the story around my property, the um, uh, Beantown Pals, and uh, he said, you know, Tom, he said, uh, we all want to go home. He says, you know, mm. and, and I know what he meant. He, you know, we were talking about mm -hmm. bringing the beans back to the, the original beanstalk as part of um, the storyline. And, you know, they would find it's not it's not that far distant from the movie Avatar uh, or all the, you know, the, the mythology. I think the first mythology is the, the tree of life. You know, and, mm -hmm. you know, the whole mythology of Adam and Eve and everything else that, you know, we all want to, we know that there's a tree of life. We all came from, uh, Alan Watts, I love his expression, he says, the earth peoples in the same way that, uh, uh, an, an, um, an, you know, that a tree apples. Uh, in other words, we're the fruit of, of the earth, mm -hmm. and so we, and, you know, on the physical plane, we are that, but mm -hmm. we all know that there's, no matter who we are, there's there's always that feeling that there's something beyond, and we want to go back to it, you know, to right. our real selves. So, uh -huh. and you know, I like the fact that we just, you know, we didn't really, again, we never really plan these conversations, but we got to ch chat like a couple of minutes before we went on, 
and you just said about the painful experience, a lot of people start to find that path through, um, you know, something. Yeah, through pain, and that leads them to an understanding that if they're going to heal or they're going to go beyond that, they have to, you know, find some resource within them uh, that right. will carry them through that. And so we, we, you mentioned the fact that you wanted to talk about cancer, which is one of my yeah, favorite I was, subjects. I, yes, I had an interesting conversation um, yesterday in Boston with a cancer doctor. There's a group of um, cancer doctors having a conference in Boston right now, and I met one of the women who was a cancer doctor and got into a conversation with her. And um, she was explaining to me how they've made great strides with some sort of enzyme that they can put in a cancer cell, and then the cancer cell starts to destroy itself. But she said, interestingly enough, after a couple of years, the cells are intelligent enough to realize they have been tricked into destroying themselves, and then they start, you know, mutating, and the cancer cells start developing again. So the drug only works for so long, which is what they're learning in the cancer research realm. And then she was explaining to me how, you know, there is so much money in these pharmaceutical drugs that um, that's kind of like, uh, you know, she hated to say it, but um, it's the driving force behind a lot of the stuff that goes on in the medical realm. Now, she was also a healer, and she explained to me that she had actually taken people who were in hospice and convinced them and worked with them to change their belief system so that they were aligned spiritually with their perfect self, their perfect health, um, whatever her technique was. Um, I don't know exactly, but she was very spiritual and had actually gotten people healed that way. So she was leaving. She was going to go back into research um, as a medical person because she kind of had it with being a cancer doctor, per se, and just giving drugs to people. She was much more interested. And because we were at this conversation, when you're healed spiritually of anything, it's complete. Where if you use Materia Medica to heal tumors or cancers or problems, but you haven't shifted your thought to perfect health and accepted, accepted completely that perfect health is your birthright, um, if you're still stuck in, oh, boy, with me, I'm, I'm a poor mortal, you know, trapped in a sick body, you'll manifest it somewhere else maybe. Where if you have a spiritual healing and you free yourself completely, belief, you're healed completely and forever. So we should have had a great conversation about it. And it was really, it was really pretty interesting. Well, um, you said but, you know, most of the... Mm-hmm. Go ahead. I mean, yeah. one of the things you mentioned before we started was that she she feels that cancer can't be they can't find a cure for cancer because it's more on a well, metaphysical. Well, she was explaining what happens is your body completely, like she said, like we were saying too. There's more cancer, you know, in this country today than there's ever been. I mean, we're seeing younger and younger people and more and more exotic types popping up all over the place. Um, you know, so they're constantly looking for drugs and, and doing research to try to figure out how to help people medically. But what she was seeing as a research person also is that there is this intelligence in our cells, and if you believe that you're meant to have a cancer or whatever the condition is, you, you're, maybe, you, you know, your, your subconscious mind is going to man, continue to manifest it until you 
rooted it out and changed your your whole belief system in a way that you don't include that in your thought. I mean, I had a very dramatic healing of what was called cancer when I was young through spiritual healing. And in a nanosecond, I realized I had created this condition with my belief because I was on a very subconscious level depressed about something. And I didn't realize it consciously until I was freed from that mental bondage of being stuck down there at the bottom of the pit. And that's where mankind many times is just coming from. You know, uh, an unawakened, lower view of the way things operate. Because how many people are studying metaphysics and spirituality on a regular basis? Not, not, not a lot. No, you know, again, you know, if I, I like to talk about the uh, Minuma op- operating system, and uh, you, you know that we're not driving the bus, that this is a game, that and it is totally yeah. a game of limitation that our higher selves to comes in and, and wants to play with, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and experience, because, you know, in perfect bliss, well, perfect bliss is perfect bliss, but... You know, it's like, you know, um, people talk about the American dream, and I don't know, when I make all this money, I'm going to go off to the beach, and I'm going to just sit and, you know, think. maybe some people are meant to do that, but I think what I found when I did that, and I had a blast for a long time doing that, was that I started to get tired of that. I wanted to come back. I wanted to come back into a game. You know, I wanted to get back into the, I was realizing I was losing, by not using my skill set as a communicator, negotiator, you know, um, manager, leader, whatever, I was losing it. And so, hence, you know, this business opportunity came along and boom, you get into it. So the fact that this is a world um, not unlike what we've created or has been created, like the video game thing, which I think plays it all out. So we come into a world where there's contrast, where there's good and evil, where there's health and sickness and all of these things. And the game is to manipulate and maneuver through it uh, the whole time playing a game and, you know, and, and learning that deep inside you're not the avatar, you're not the ego, but that you really are this higher self that can, if it decides to connect and realign, in, you know, and you realign with it, you, you're right. You're not going to have these things happen to you, or you will be healed. Well, you become free. You become a master. And, yes, the ego. But, you know, the trick is to try to um, not let the ego be the controlling factor because it's very strong, very powerful. And um, I know that's what had, you know, gotten into my consciousness way back then when I was in my 20s and it was like a virus. I couldn't, I was obsessed by certain beliefs and fears and and um, attitudes and ideas that I had about many things and I could not free myself. It was like being in a terrible prison until because I bottomed out and I had nowhere to go when it was either surgery or death then, and neither one of those was desirable to me in any way, shape, or form. So I turned to the spiritual. God was the only thing left, and it freed me from that bondage. That we yeah, and we, it's like we talked yeah. about Richard Hawkins, who, uh, mm-hmm. you know, right. became, had that great experience as a kid and was right. saved from freezing to death and then mm-hmm. became an atheist <laughs> because yeah. in, in 
I think that's the fun of what we do, and let's you know remind the listeners again that we're trying to make all of this practical. We're not going to stay up in the clouds, even though it's a metaphysical flight attendant. The fact is, is we're human, and that's part of the game. Is is not believing, you know, how can this possibly be true? That this is not the real thing. It's, it seems so real. It feels so real. It has to be real. Uh, you know, I can touch, feel, taste, and, and all of those things, and and so we don't believe you know we'll have these metaphysical amazing miracles happen and in a couple mm-hmm. of weeks we're right back to thinking oh boy i'm just nothing but this uh this little tiny minute um particle in the planet that's being bounced around by all these other particles and i'm nothing more than a victim it really is about moving beyond victim right 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 and it's knowing that um you know, in the grand scheme of things, we are so minute, but at the same time, knowing that we do have this amazing power that we're barely tapping into. You know, whenever we see someone that reflects genius, you know, um, and does amazing things, invents things, or, you know, sticks out, um, we're sort of in awe. But what they're doing is they're tapping into this infinite power that's within every one of us exactly and it's you know that we haven't you know and i obviously i can speak from cancer from a a personal level and um and you know when i trace back because i do believe that everything is metaphysical and that the physical is just a reflection of that and i try to think of why nobody else in my family up until that time had cancer and I got it at the age of 12 a rare form of cancer osteosarcoma at which at the time only 5% survived so every day for me is a miracle when I when I can stay grounded and not be um, fooled not be tricked by the illusion I can say you know you escaped I mean 5% who wants to play you know if somebody if you walked into a game of chance and said mm-hmm. to somebody, well, what, what are my chances of winning this game? Oh, 5%. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm not laying my money down on this game. You know, so mm-hmm. those, are, those are really bad. I mean, who wants even a 50-50% chance of living? I mean, so I had, you know, 90, 20 to 1 odds, which are lousy, um, to surviving, and especially because there was no chemo at the time. And so mm-hmm. I made it. I made it with a disease that, first of all, I had it for months, you know, I just kept complaining about this pain, and the fact that I made it, that right. after having it so long, because one of the things with osteosarcoma, it metastasizes like a forest fire, and mm. you'll get it in your knee, but the next thing you know, it's in your head. It just oh. races through, and that's what happens, is once it clicks out mine for some reason even after months of complaining and everybody thinking it was growing pains um mm. was was don't was it stayed localized thank god and didn't mm-hmm. run through the rest of me and so i i you know after i started to become aware of the metaphysical i think why did i get it why did i get it and, you know and of course everybody wants to and you know i think it's you know talk about the environmental effects and blah 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 mm. and so the only thing I could think of is that, is I think you know, we've talked before, you know, why, when you really start, I always, my thing that lately has been, let's look for the the man behind the curtain. You know, here's Dorothy and, the, you know, the, her three companions looking for something that they had the whole time. 
Right. And that in in you know, I love that scene. In fact I even posted it on my blog. They finally get to the, the wizard and the the wizard is gonna save them, something outside of themselves. I mean when you think of what uh, Baum wrote, I mean it's totally truly a spiritual book. You know, so they're oh, coming really? to the wizard who's gonna mm-hmm. take away all their problems and give them the gifts that they already have. And right. they finally discover that there's always been a man behind the curtain. And mm-hmm. So and that's how I look at it. Is you, you keep going back and back, and we all stopped, you know, at the wizard. You know, it's like, oh my God, we got to find out. You know, somebody has to save us, so we have to find this cure and everything. Mm. And not understanding that the man behind the curtain, the true us, is metaphysical. You know, the real mm-hmm. power. And right. So you know, so when I think that I got, when I go back to. My condition, as you say, with your condition, I hated my life. I couldn't believe, how did I get here? You know, I mean, I, I grew, you know, here I am, a white kid growing up in a predominantly black neighborhood, running for my life, literally, every now, day of my life. Now, that was before the cancer manifested? Yeah, and, yeah, so for, for 12, the prior 12 years to my getting it, incredible stress. I mean, just, beyond, I couldn't, as, as a kid, I'm thinking, hmm. what the, how did I end up in this mess? You know, I mean, hmm. violence hmm. everywhere. You know, I think there were times when, I think it was in the fourth grade, I never went a day without a fight. Physical violence. Or always being petrified of being attacked, and not just by one, because it was an era of gangs. I mean, they did all those movies about teenage gangs in those times. And it was like the Lord of the Flies. It was crazy. You know, it's just t- hmm. constant terror. And then there was violence in the house. You know, my father was... Was no slouch. He'd, he'd take his hands to me. Um, you know, even my mother. You know, I mean, that was just accepted in those days. And then the worst place of all was the place you would have thought that there was refuge, and that was in a Catholic school when they used sticks and every other thing to beat kids. I mean, it was horrible. And wow. so I remember, oh, I, I could remember Sunday nights and just, and, gosh, and just dreading. Imagine as a child, you know, like, People don't even believe the things. I mean, we could go on forever on this one. And I think, you know, I remember the first day of school. The nun had what I know now was a um, a, glue, um, a glue stick, not a glue stick, but a, a tube of of like airplane cement, like we had, air, mm-hmm. you know, model airplane cement mm-hmm. with an elastic on it. And she's got, there were 50 kids in each class. And they're marching these two kids, two classes of first graders up. And one of the nuns says, Oh, yeah, she's holding this elastic and keeping it taut. And she's saying, oh, what's that sister you have? Oh, that's uh, a bomb, she says. And now this is the days when we were brought up as kids, we had the fear of the atomic bomb. And that was predominant. You know, and the uh, sirens went off every noontime, correct? Remember? She was trying to convince you she had a bomb? She, a a bunch of five-year-old infants first wow. day of school she's got a bomb and what is, what's mm. going to happen sister if anybody talks i release the elastic i mean i'm oh. 66 wow. 66 years old i still remember this 66 wow. years old and we've been indoctrinated trained that the hmm. russians are going to drop the atomic bomb on us any day well, the sirens went why, if you study metaphysics um like i like to study it and i teach i teach metaphysics um, you have to reprogram yourself. We've all been infected with this programming from the time we're born 
from our families, our cultures, our schools, the television. It's brainwashing. I mean, because we're exactly. like Exactly, and you know, but again, you know, a lot of people get directed and focus their energy in that. And so I ask the question, if we're not driving the bus, is let's go for the man behind the curtain. Why would a world like this exist in the first place? To me, you know, until I hear somebody with a better explanation, that's what it's designed to do, that we come here. I was placed in that situation right. to find my way out of it. And so well, why did I get Well, didn't you my- ask the question, when I was young, I would always ask myself the question, we have options, we have choices that we can make as human beings. And I, I can remember being very small thinking, why do people choose that over that? You know, why right. aren't we all living like in a country club setting instead right. of suffering? Right. Right. I, I could never figure that out. Why do people choose? And this is why, another reason I wrote my book, because, uh, you know, wake up people. We don't have to be miserable. But I've, many people really enjoy the misery. I mean, probably that none enjoyed scaring me. Oh, it, yeah, and I just saw a recent... You get something uh, out of it. Well, yeah, and you know, they, they, um, boy, we've really hit on a, we've untapped the goldmine. This is a beautiful show. I hope the listeners realize the power of this show because, you know, again, what I love about what we do, Rebecca, is we, we don't stay in the ethereal. Even though your book is about a flight attendant flying and in all of the mystical things you saw, even when you were, you know, up in the clouds, we bring it down to earth and try to deal with the pragmatic issues of day to day life. And yeah, you know, you you hit. You know, we we come in, and so why does this world exist the way it is? It has, to, and we know that it's an illusion. That's the that's the man behind the curtain is that this is all an illusion. It's all a game, but so convincing, well, and, so and real. We, we, but we have some people, like the man who wrote about the Wizard of Oz, was obviously an awakened being because he could see through. He could see through the dream. But then we've got all these masses of people on the planet that have incarnated that are asleep still. You know. And why are we here? Are we here to wake up? Um, you know, yeah, we're here to play the game and to master the game, without a doubt. Right. And, then to pre- right. and but, find out, reconnect, I think. And part of it is looking at people who do these horrible things to each other, and it's like, why are they living like that? Why do they enjoy cruelty and insanity? And, right, and because they, they keep, right, they, they haven't realigned, they haven't found, they haven't paid attention to the signpost and realized that but more see, powerful. that's how powerful the ego is. The ego oh, absolutely. will ultimately in destroy you is that creepy, that evil, that dastardly, that it just doesn't, it, it, it's horrible, you know, to, to exactly. observe. Exactly, and, and you, when, when you see, you know, we talk about a, one of the best places to talk about this futility and idiocy and insanity is road rage. I mean, people fighting over pieces of mm. real estate mm-hmm. that don't even exist. You know, i got to get to that space before somebody else. You know, i got to get to the stoplight <laughs> before somebody else. And mm-hmm. you see, and it's a total ego driving the car, you know. Um, well, listen, and getting I, back to this cancer thing, you know, the pink ribbon, the, I, you know, that whole pink ribbon movement, can you imagine the trillions of dollars it's brought in oh, over the years? Oh, trillions. I mean, right. they have they have, yep, and, and it's know. not working. It's in fact, it's getting worse. It's, Listen, it's today, it's a business. Yeah, we, what we've done is we've hit, we've gone past our allotted time. I have to 
move on, but I'm glad we've opened this box because uh, mm. I let's start off our next show. Please come back, listeners. We have just begun down the, the road to illness and disease and health and healing because this is, I speak to a lot of cancer survivor groups and what we've, this is, a, this is obviously going to be a, a show that we can do many episodes on this conversation. So why don't we pick it up the next time um, talking about, uh, I found that there's five stages of cancer, not, not the victim survivor stage. And it has everything to do with metaphysics and healing. So great, 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 great show, Rebecca. Thank you so okay. much. All, All right. right. And uh, <laughs> folks, please tune in. The next episode, we'll, we'll pick it right up where we left off. Here. And everybody have a great day. Bye.